All right, Happy New Year. Uh, I'm going to, over the next three weeks, offer up a series of lessons and conversations for us and with us that I think are uh, perfect in the season when usually we're thinking about, you know, what are we going to do for the next year and, and what's it going to look like? I'm hoping that some actual, boy, I need to do this or I need to have a goal around that will, will come out of these conversations. I honestly think that would be God-honoring. Um, this is not going to be revolutionary for any of you, probably. Uh, well, I guess for some of us it may be new steps, but for most of us I think uh, this will be New Year's review. But um, we may not have any more important conversations than we're going to have over uh, the next three weeks here at Gateway. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for drawing us here. We don't believe we're here by accident. We don't believe we're watching by accident. Uh, we believe that you have drawn us, literally drawn us here, and we pray that we would hear what we're here to hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the last couple of times I've had a physical over the last couple of years, uh, my doctor has spent considerable time testing my balance. Stand on this leg. Now, stand on this leg. Now, do what I do. All right, touch that and touch that, and several other things. Uh, the first time he did this, I said, you know, are, are you doing this because I'm so old now? And he says, uh, well, kind of, but no. I'm doing this because balance is critically important to your health. First of all, a lack of balance leads to injury, and, and many of you have known that in your parents or your grandparents, but also a lack of balance can be a sign of a significant health problem. I mean, lack of balance can result from nerve problems or, or muscle problems, spinal cord problems, arteriosclerosis, uh, a problem with the inner ear system, among other things. Balance problems can be fairly benign or they can be extremely serious, but they need to be addressed because balance is is critical to our overall health. When we talk about life balance, we usually mean you know, how we spend our time. We might even mean emotional equilibrium, staying emotionally balanced. This is all important stuff, but all of that, I'm convinced, all of that rests on a foundation of spiritual balance. Healthy spiritual balance provides a firm healthy foundation for overall life balance, in, including emotional equilibrium. And just like with our physical balance, if we lack a, a spiritual balance, it can lead to injury or it can be a sign of a much deeper problem. Honestly, I don't believe you can have a balanced life overall without spiritual balance. I mean, that's, that's almost, if you miss everything else, don't miss that. I don't think you can have an overall balanced life if you don't have spiritual balance. Now, this isn't a radical idea. Uh, this idea is shared by perhaps a majority of human beings and, and certainly by those who have called themselves religious or spiritual. But, but even though most of us agree that we need some kind of spiritual balance, we don't necessarily know what it looks like. And, and even if we know what it looks like, we don't necessarily actually work toward it. So over the next three weeks, we're going to offer a, a big picture model for achieving spiritual balance. A big picture model for achieving spiritual balance. 
We've talked about this model many times over the years at Gateway. It's, it's really foundational. This is, this is almost how to be a Christian 101. So as I said, I'm hoping that for, for many of us, this is like a New Year's reminder. Uh, for others of us, this may be new. Uh, please know that we didn't make this model up. If we had, it would probably be wrong. Uh, this model has been proven and reproven over centuries, going, going by different themes and different emphases, but it's really all the same thing. Let me repeat, if you want a balanced life, and you do, you must have spiritual balance. And if you want to build spiritual balance, here it is, you must invest in growing up toward God in worship, in toward God's people in community, and out toward the world in service. If you want a balanced spiritual life, you must invest in growing up toward God in worship, in toward God's people in community, and out toward the world in service. You may remember, Jesus told us at one point that everything God requires can be summarized in loving God and loving others. And this loving others thing, that can be broken into the category of loving others who love God like you and loving those who are far from God. Loving God, loving others who love God like you, and loving those who are far from God. You build spiritual balance by growing up toward God in worship, in toward God's people and community, and out toward the world in service. He will say it one more time to beat a dead horse. Up toward God in worship, in toward God's people and community, and out toward the world in service. That's how you build healthy spiritual balance. Think of the process of working your spiritual life like a tripod for a camera. I've got one on the screen for you. If one leg is missing, or if one leg is maladjusted, the camera will tip over. It will lose its balance. But unlike the tripod, the legs of spiritual balance must be not only all three there and all three appropriately adjusted, but they must be growing. Our lives are, are too complicated, too involved, and overly busy. Plus, we're getting older. And I don't just mean those of us who are already there. I mean all of us are, are getting Gen, we're getting older, and that, that presents ch challenges at, at every new age level. And we're consistently assaulted with, with troubles and, and difficulties and, and temptations and setbacks. In other words, life is not standing still for you. It's coming at you. In effect, life is pushing you back. If you are not growing, you are moving backwards. Imagine being on one of those People movers in an airport, you know, the long walkways that are moving, you're going the opposite direction of the walkway. If you stand still, you're moving backwards. You've got to be growing. <clears throat> it's true in your career. It's true in your marriage. If you're married, it's true in all of your relationships. It's true physically. Uh, you know what happens if you assume inertia will take care of it. This is true in every area of our lives. So we must be growing in the first area, the first leg, the first part of our model that deserves our considered attention is growth toward God in worship. And I'm pausing to let you catch your breath. We're going to talk this morning about growing up toward God in worship. And, and 
you know, we could go almost anywhere in the Bible to talk about this, but we're, we're going to use for inspiration this morning and to get some hints in this direction, we're going to look at a beautiful hymn from the Old Testament, from Isaiah chapter 26. And I'm going to, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to impose a structure that's a little foreign to the passage, but I'm going to impose a structure on it that I think will help us look at growing up toward God in worship, and I also think it will help us remember it. Uh, Here it is. If I'm going to grow up toward God in worship, I've got to act. I've got to act. And we're using that as an acronym. So we're going to read Isaiah 26, 1 through 12 this morning, and let's do it a little differently. Let's, let's, uh, let's read responsively from Isaiah 26, 1 through 12. Let's go old school, stand out of reverence for God's Word. I will, lead the, I will read the light print, and you read the dark print, if you would. In that day, and this is the day when God provides. This is the day when God comes for us. This is the day when God overcomes our enemies. This is the day when when God blesses us. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. In other words, this great city, open up the gates that all people who love him can come into this city. And he means, of course, literally the city of Jerusalem. He also means metaphorically a connection with God, the protection of God. Open those gates up and let people come into that. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You again, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rocky term. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it down to the dust. Feet trample it down, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor. And now he counters that with this. The path of the upright is level. You, the upright one. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. We walk in the way of your laws and we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. When your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world learn righteousness. But when grace is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. Even in the land of uprightness, they go on doing evil and do not regard the majesty of the Lord. Lord, your hand is lifted high, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be put to shame. Let the fire reserved for your enemies consume them. Lord, you have established peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. You may be seated. Okay, if I'm going to grow up toward God in worship, that's, our, that's the first leg of our camera tripod. If I'm going to grow up toward God in worship, I've got to act. And we're using that as an acronym. So first of all, I've got to acknowledge my need for God. And we see that spill out of verses 1 through 7. Look, there is a strong city, Isaiah says, that will save us from our troubles. He means literally As I said, the city of Jerusalem, but Isaiah also means that metaphorically our relationship with God will will save us from our troubles. And, And God is the one who secures that city. God is the one who strengthens its ramparts. And 
God is the one who supports its walls. And in other words, I need God to save me. I need to enter into his city, his protection. I need to pursue a relationship with God. I need God. In verse 3, Isaiah sings one of the great benefits of connecting to God, doesn't he? Peace. And I want that. I need that. I need a connection with God. Then in verse 7, he offers a second benefit. It's a level path. When my way, when my current circumstances seem particularly challenging because of health, because of, because of work, because of family, and some of you are in that place right now, when my path seems particularly challenging, when I'm challenged, I need a level path. Being in a relationship with God provides that level path. I had several conversations with people over the last two weeks, and I just felt so moved by God with, with a, a number of you. It was four or five of you when I, I felt like uh, just some folks in really tough circumstances right now. And, and, and my initial thought was, you know, I'm praying for you, and I was, and, and oh, I'm so sorry, and I am. But I also felt the need to say several times over the last couple of weeks, because I really meant it, especially for these folks. You got this. You got this. You got the stuff that you need to do this. And God is making a level path for you. And I know that about these people. That's the way you and I can encourage one another when we have a connection with God, because he is. He's making our path level. We need him. We need God. You know what happens when you realize you need something? I mean, when, when, you, when you really realize you need something, I want you to think of the last time that you were <clears throat> underwater for too long and you had to hold your breath. What happened when you realized you needed air? I'll tell you, nothing else mattered. You, did, you, did, you weren't thinking about anything. You were thinking about breaking the surface of the water and taking a gasp of air. Nothing else mattered. We need God just that way. That's why Isaiah says, trust in the Lord forever for the Lord. The Lord is the rock eternal. I mean, we can stand on him. We can build on him. He, he keeps us steady. He's a rock. Look, relating to God is hard. Let's not kid ourselves. God isn't an easy relationship for many reasons. It's hard to figure it out. It's hard to navigate it. And we will not stay with it unless we realize our need for him. Growing up toward God in worship requires acknowledging my need for God. Secondly, if I'm going to grow up toward God in worship, I need to cultivate my love for God. Uh, I don't know. I imagine many of you, maybe most of you know my uh, beautiful wife, Diane, she's, she's not here today. She's at home with the head cold that I had over Christmas. Uh, but Diane and I have been married now for 114 years. And in order to keep that relationship afire and steady and full of love, and I want you all to know, honestly, it is. In order for that to happen, I have to cultivate that love. I have to think of ways to love her, and, and sometimes I have to love her even when I don't love her. I have, to, I have to pursue it. I have to work on it. I have to cultivate it. We have to cultivate 
our relationship with God. When I hear this, I'm reminded of Romans 12, 11. I don't know why, but I love this little verse, which says, the Apostle Paul says this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. He's, he's writing this as if we can do this. He's exhorting us to do this. He's telling us to work on it, to cultivate it. This is something we have to invest in. If you're looking for inertia to take care of it, it will take care of it. It will take care of it by diminishing it. If we're going to grow in our connection and our worship with God, we've got to cultivate our love for him. And this is especially seen in Isaiah verses 8 and 9. In verses 8 and 9, he says, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, I'm walking in your way. That's what I do. I make choices. I walk in your way. And I wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of my heart. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. I got to break the surface and get a breath of fresh air. When your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world, world learn righteousness. Let's unpack that for just a minute. First of all, notice that he makes it his practice to walk in God's ways. That's his practice. That's what he does. See that? And notice he waits on God. And this isn't some throwaway religious phrase for Isaiah. Isaiah waits on God. So should I go back to school next semester? Uh, God, what do you want? Should I take this new job? God, what do you say? Should, should we try this medication? God, what's your will? He waits on God. Then Isaiah, he gives an advertisement for a regular spiritual rhythm, doesn't he? Morning, evening. I long for you. I'm going to say more about that spiritual rhythm in a minute, but underline that in your minds. One more observation. Notice that as God acts, we learn what he's like. When your judgments come upon the earth, people learn righteousness. They learn what it's like to, to do the right thing, to be in you, to, to walk in righteousness. Okay, third. If I'm going to grow up toward God in worship, I need to, first of all, acknowledge my need for God. Secondly, cultivate my love for God. And then thirdly, I've got to train my heart toward God. I've got to act. I've got to train my heart toward God. Last night, Diane was not, not she wasn't feeling badly, but she was tired, so she went to bed. And uh, the, the, my, my, our family are New England Patriots fans, and I don't know if you follow football, but last night the Patriots decided because they're such a uh, great organization and really, really nice men, they decided it was time for the Buffalo Bills to enjoy some measure of victory. So they allowed Buffalo to score some points. And uh, they were getting trounced. <laughs> and so I was tired of watching. And uh, Diane went to bed, and I thought, oh, okay, I, there's this sci-fi series that's on, I don't know, one of the streaming services. And I've watched a couple episodes of it. It's awesome. And Diane doesn't like it. So I thought, great, uh, I can watch another uh, episode. And then I remembered this sermon. <laughs> and I thought, this is a great time for me to move toward God. This is, this is a good time for me to just uh, dig in and train my heart toward God, to, to, to just lean in his direction. Listen to what Isaiah says in verses 10 and 11. Though grace is shown to the wicked, they don't learn righteousness. Uh, even in a land of uprightness, they, they go on doing evil, and, and they do not regard the majesty of the Lord. Lord, you lift 
your hand is lifted high, but they don't see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be put to shame. Let the fire reserved for your enemies consume them. Okay, now look. Notice that Isaiah goes negative here. What, what he's saying is that it really is possible to miss it. It's possible to have it right in front of us and miss it. Oh Lord, your hand is lifted high, but they don't see it, he says. We have to train our hearts to see it. Now, that's my language, not Isaiah's, obviously. Isaiah makes the negative point here that people miss God's activity. Let's turn that around. Let's not be those people. Let's not miss what God is doing. Let's not miss it. Let's train our hearts to see him because we need him. He's what's most valuable. <clears throat> if you were here a few weeks ago, you may have heard me offer up this cool illustration about Banksy. I don't know if you know who Banksy is, but he's a a street artist, a graffiti artist. He's British, and he's become world famous for displaying his art in, in unusual places, seemingly overnight. His, these large pieces of art will just appear on big buildings or, or in parks or, or in public places, sometimes on highways. And, 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 and uh, the place that he displays it is usually part of the message itself, his identity is unknown, which just adds to the mystique of it. Nobody knows who Banksy actually is. Well, several years ago, I think it was 2013, he set up a pop-up booth boutique of his art on canvases, and, and usually he doesn't do that. But he created a bunch of canvases, signed them, Banksy, and he displayed them at a pop-up uh, boutique on Fifth Avenue near Central Park on a Saturday morning. Tourists were able to buy, and New Yorkers, were able to buy Banksy art, legitimate, authentic, original Banksy art for $60 each. The booth was manned by an elderly man who sat there the whole day trying to look bored, eating a sandwich every now and then. Throughout the whole ordeal, the elderly man was yawning, uh, and of course the display was part of the art for Banksy. Banksy videotaped the whole thing and put it on his website, and he said this, Yesterday, I set up a stall in the park selling 100% authentic original Banksy signed canvases for $60 each. And very, very few people even noticed. Thousands of people passed by this display, and very few people even noticed. They didn't even give it a second glance. And by the way, you may remember this. In 2014, two of those canvases sold at an auction for $214,000. And today... They are considered almost priceless. <laughs> and thousands of people passed by and didn't notice. A relationship with God is what we need. It is of supreme value to our souls, to our lives. And if we're going to have it, we have to train our hearts to see it, to, to, to gather, to recognize, to soak in his activity because it is missable. Now, over the years here at Gateway, we have, as we've talked about this, and we have talked about this, as we've talked about this, we've talked about two life habits that help us grow up toward God in worship. So remember, to build a balanced spiritual life, we've got to be growing up toward God in worship. We've got to acknowledge our need for Him. We've got to cultivate our love for Him. We've got to train our hearts toward Him. We've also got to be growing in toward one another in community. We've got to invest in that. And we've got to grow out toward the world in service. We have to move our hearts in that direction, stir ourselves, keep our spiritual fervor alive. Well, we've talked about habits here at Gateway. 
life habits, choices that we need to make in order to grow ourselves up toward God in worship. And we've talked about two things primarily. And I want to offer those things up to you this morning and encourage you and I to actually think about and goal around this stuff this year. The first habit that helps us grow up toward God in worship, Jordan talked about it earlier this morning, is to use our resources with wisdom and purpose. To use our time and talent and treasure with wisdom and purpose. We, you guys, our lives are so busy and we have so much stuff. It's, so, it's often the case that our time and our stuff uses us. We have to, use, we have to, be in, we have to move in charge. We, we have to use our resources and our, our, uh, our whatever it is, yes. Use our resources with wisdom and purpose. Uh, you know, there is an, an inextricable relationship between how we use our resources and our priorities. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you want to know what's really important to you, look at your checkbook. And there's also an inextricable relationship between our resources and where we place our trust that's why Moses told the children of Israel in, in Deuteronomy 8, right before they entered into the promised land, if you know that story, they were about to enter into the promised land and, and take over the land, and they eventually did. Moses told them at the very beginning of that process, hey, when you go in, you're going to take over the land, and it's a really good land, it's a rich land, and I want you to remember, remember. And he uses that word over and over again in Deuteronomy. Remember, it's the Lord your God that gave you this. It's the Lord your God that gave you the ability to do this. And if you forget, you will turn away from him. And you'll, you'll think, my power and the strength of my arm has resulted in this. And it hasn't. And he will remove his blessing. And this is exactly, of course, what happened to them. Isaiah says this in verse 12. Lord, you establish peace for us. And all that we have accomplished, you have done for us. When we use our resources with wisdom and purpose, we train our hearts to see God, to remember God, to rely on God. When we use our resources, our time, our talent, and our treasure, with wisdom and purpose, with God-honoring purpose, then we train our hearts to rely on God. What does this mean? Well, it doesn't mean anything unless it becomes very practical. You know what I'm talking about. I, I'm going to, for the month of February, fast from coffee. And I'm going to give that money to some charity or someone that I know in need. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to think about fasting from lunch once a week through until Easter. And, and instead of eating, I'm going to use that time to pray. And, and I'm going to go pray for my family or for people I love. Or I'm going to create a serve Saturday. And, and I'm going to find some friends. Or I'm going to grab my family and we're going to set aside a Saturday every month. And, and we're just going to find some place to donate our time and service. Or I'm going to decide what God wants me to give financially to Gateway. I'm not going to give casually. I'm going to decide, I'm going to prayerfully decide, I'm going to wait on God and I'm going to give what he tells me to give. 
I've got to use my resources with wisdom and purpose and use these practical means as a, as a way of training our hearts toward God. Use these choices as a way of disciplining our use of our resources. Take charge of your time, talent, and treasure and use them wisely and purposefully. This habit will help you grow up toward God in worship. One more thing before we quit. Second habit that will help us consistently is to practice creative devotion. You simply cannot cultivate your love relationship with God unless you have some kind of creative devotional practice. I say creative because you have to find what works for you. But you have to invest in it, in, in some kind of creative devotional practice. Remember Isaiah's advertisement for some sort of spiritual rhythm, morning, evening, I long for you, I seek for you. I have, this, uh, I have this app on my phone that I've been using for about a month. My, my sister-in-law told me about it. It's called um, Lectio 365. And it, it gives you a morning 10-minute, uh, uh, they read scripture, they say some prayers. It, it's, there's a little bit of really contemplative music in the background. Uh, someone speaking kind of like Sylvia. It's awesome. And then they have like a seven or eight-minute similar kind of exercise in the evening. It, it starts my morning and it ends my day by training my heart toward God, cultivating my, my love for Him. Uh, you, you've got to have some kind of rhythm. You've got to find some kind of exercise that will help you turn your heart toward Him and cultivate your love for Him. Identify a prayer partner. For the month of February, find someone who will pray with you once a month, I mean, once a week, call them on the phone, pray over the phone, it's legal, or, or meet and uh, pray at Starbucks in front of God and everybody, it's, it's legal, or plan, plan three days a week to take a prayer walk for 45 minutes, you get exercise and you get to pray, and you're going to walk and, and just pray. pray, make a list, pray for your family, pray, pray for friends that you know that are in need. Listen to a great book while you're exercising. Right now I'm listening to a, a book that Jennifer Wing recommended to me called Hearing from God by Dallas Willard. It's awesome. Find a book that nourishes your soul and listen to it while you're exercising. My relationship with Diane will not stay fresh and alive unless I pursue my love for her. Find ways to pursue your love relationship with God. All right, let's wrap up. Use resources with wisdom and purpose. Practice practice creative devotion. Let's work on that this month. Let's, let's, let's make some targets with one another. Um, my, my, uh, my mother's health um, worsened, of course, as she got older. She had a, a, a non-age-related thing happen to her. It's called bacterial endocarditis. It's, it's why they, had, by the way, it's why they had attacked strep throat uh, the strep bacteria, if it actually gets into your bloodstream, it creates all kind of damage. And what it usually does is it will go to some organ and attack that organ. The worst case scenario is if it attacks, if the strep bacteria attacks your heart, and that is bacterial endocarditis. Strep can get into your bloodstream through a shot or through a pimple or any number of ways. We've got, at almost any given time, you can scrape your skin and there's some strep there. Uh, so somehow, my mother, perfectly healthy, she was in her early 70s, walking several miles a day, and she got bacterial endocarditis, and it just devastated her. She ended up uh, with a, a, a stroke, and because, you know, parts of her heart are literally breaking off and going through her bloodstream. 
Um, they'd had to do open heart surgery, and so it weakened her. She came back somewhat, and her health improved, but as she got into her late 70s, it, it was just too much for her to handle. And uh, then she began losing her balance. And uh, every time I got a call from a neighbor or one of my aunts or a friend, uh, your mother has fallen. I knew that uh, I needed to go to South Carolina and see her right away. I also knew that we were watching the next step down in her health. Every time she fell, uh, she would recover not quite to the same level, and there, there was a health step down, overall health step down, uh, every time she fell. And sometimes these falls were not very dramatic. Sometimes they were uh, somewhat casual, but, but every one of them was, uh, it was a dramatic health incident. We need spiritual balance. If you're lacking spiritual balance, it, it causes spiritual injury to yourself and others, and it may be an indication of a deeper problem. Let's devote ourselves this year to the activity of balance, balancing our lives, balancing our spirit, and the first part of that is the first part of the triad is growing up toward God in worship. Let's close in prayer. Father, Move us, stir us this morning, inspire us to step toward you, to step into our relationship with you, to inspire us to use our resources with wisdom and purpose. And Lord, I'm thinking of ways right now that Diane and I can take the next step toward you in that area of our lives. Lord, help us to train our hearts toward you and and cultivate our love for you through a regular rhythm, a practice. In the morning, you're our desire. In the evening, you're what we long for, a regular spiritual rhythm that will punctuate our days, a time of coming before you, a time of trying to read your word and hear from you, a time of praying to you and interacting with you. Lord, a, a spiritual rhythm, create that for us, through us and in us. And Lord, we offer ourselves up to you afresh and anew. Use us. We are your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.